0: Um, I want to tell you a story. So this story is about uh, Jessica and Stephen who'd been married a long time. And during that time they'd travelled to all sorts of different parts of the world and experienced all sorts of different experiences. And over that time, over the time that they had been together, their relationship had grown stronger and stronger to the point that more often than not they knew what the other was thinking. Uh, Of course, they'd had their ups and downs in their life. They learnt how to laugh together, how to cry together, to reminisce together, to share stories together. There were times when they cried about the sickness of a family member. There were times when hurtful words were said um, and forgiveness was sought. There were times when they loved talking about what they were doing at work and times when they didn't want to talk about work at all. Times also simply holding each other in love. In time, they built a home. They built a fam- They had a family. They built a home, guess where? In Johnsonville. And they had one son called Jeremy. Now, the love that they experienced uh, together uh, overflowed into the love that they had for their son. Jeremy grew, and as he grew, he got to know how much... Th- they loved him. He also got to know about the stories and the experiences that they had uh, had when they were travelling. Uh, and he decided that when he was old enough that he would love to travel and experience similar things. Like any family, they had their ups and downs, and yet it would be fair enough to say that each family member cared deeply for the other and were most often attuned to to what was going on in the lives of others. They loved gathering uh, during the week over a meal at the end of the day and sharing those stories, talking about what had happened. One particular memory that continued to resonate with Stephen and Jessica was when they were travelling in India. And as they travelled in India, they experienced and saw a whole lot of poverty. Uh, They got to know uh, some of the children that were there that were orphans. There was so, this is uh, Jessica sharing this with Jeremy. There were so, so many children left as orphans due to poverty, disease and war and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to respond. But this has left such an impression on them as a couple and now as a family that after much discussion, they decided now that Jeremy was old enough that they would adopt a child. They would adopt a child and love him or her as their own. Now, it took time, it took a lot of time, it took a lot of paperwork, but eventually, working through an adoption agency, they adopted a two-year-old girl called Anita. Now, Anita had the most beautiful brown eyes and half-crooked smile, which captured everyone's heart when they looked at looked at her. She was welcomed, embraced, and loved by this new family. They were hers, and she was theirs. Over the years, Anita grew and came to know what it meant to be part of a loving family. Whenever she was scared or hurt, she knew she had a place of safety and acceptance. She knew she could be herself without any judgment. She also knew her family desired the best for her. They wanted to see her flourish. They wanted to nurture her gifts and her skills. They wanted to know that she was, she had worth. They wanted the best for her. And yet, for some reason, Anita, this is when she started college, started to hang out with the wrong crowd. Although she knew she was loved by her parents and brother, at that time, that didn't really matter. What really mattered was that she wanted to do what her friends were doing. She was introduced to drugs and alcohol and then tried to hide the fact from her mum and dad. Now parents are pretty clued up. They know what is going on. Arguments became commonplace because Anita didn't believe that she was doing anything wrong. I mean, it's not hurting anybody. Jeremy, who is now 25, told her stories of friends whose lives who... Had been deeply affected and destroyed by drugs. Stephen and Jessica held her and cried over her and shouted at her to stop doing what she was doing. It just wasn't enough. And one day, Anita decided that she would run away from home. She had a friend who had recently moved to Wellington, one of the friends who had got her hooked on marijuana. She would stay with her until she cleared her head, or so she thought. However, this clearing her head led to an abusive relationship and, even worse, drug addiction. The love her family had for her seemed a distant memory. And with everything that she had done, there was no way to experience that love again anyway. But the day that Anita ran away from home, her family f- was filled with anxiety, was filled with worry, was filled with a deep desire to find her and to call her home. She was their daughter. She was his sister and they would do anything. They would do anything to bring her back. After trying to talk with her friends and classmates, and which led nowhere, they went to the police reporting her missing, but of course the first Day, the police said, we can't do anything, It was too soon. But the days went on, days and weeks. The police started to take it seriously. But as the police started to act, so too the family started to put posters up, started to um, contact radio stations, tried everything to get the message out that they wanted Anita to come home, that they loved her. Now, this went on for months. All the while, Jeremy, Anita's brother, had been doing his own research. He had put out messages on Facebook and on WhatsApp and Instagram, knowing that Anita was often connected this way. But he didn't hear anything from her. But eventually, one of her friends contacted him to say she was worried that Anita needed help and that she was in Wellington, Wellington Central, somewhere in Wellington Central. So the family quickly decided that Jeremy would would go to Wellington and would bring Anita home. Now, Jeremy Jeremy had told his parents that it could be risky. You know, Anita was hanging out with a guy known for violence, and Anita might also be high or intoxicated. She may also be violent. She may not know what's going on. But recognising the risks, recognising the the danger, they put aside their anxiety out of love and soon Jeremy found himself on the front doorsteps of Anita's apartment. Banging on the door. Banging on the door and calling out Anita's name quickly caused a commotion as the door was aggressively thrown open by a man in his early 30s. Greeted with colourful language, Jeremy was asked what he wanted And when it became clear he was looking for Anita, he was told to get lost in colourful words. While the man shouted, Jeremy was able to peek into the dark hallway and saw for a brief moment someone lying on the floor, lying on the ground. And He realised that it was his sister. Pushing the surprised man aside, he rushed in rushed in over to his sister. Anita, Anita, it's me, Jeremy. I've come to take you home. Put your arms around me. Anita, I'm so glad that I found you. Anita slowly opened her beautiful brown eyes and when she saw it was her brother, she tried to smile her crooked smile. However, her smile became a grimace and her eyes opened wider. Just as Jeremy felt a blow across his head, Stumbling forward, Jeremy gathered Anita, who was only skin and bones, into his arms and used his body as a security blanket as he wrapped his sister up. As more blows rained down from the man who had so graciously greeted him at the door. Put her down. Put her down. What are you doing? She belongs to me. She is mine, the man screamed. She is mine. As Jeremy, protecting Anita, moved towards the door, another blow caught him on the temple, causing him to lose focus for a couple of seconds. I've got you, Anita. I've got you, he says. Nothing was going to stop Jeremy from bringing Anita home, no matter how bruised or battered he became. Nothing was going to stop Jeremy from saving his sister months later anita still recovering from her ordeal looked across the room at her brother he still sported bruises on his face but was smiling at her what are you smiling at she asked i'm just so glad you're home you know it hasn't been the same it hasn't been the same it hasn't been the same without you but i've been so stupid How could I have been so stupid? And then you risked your life. You could have been killed. And as she said this, she started to weep. Oh, don't cry, Jeremy said. Don't cry. You're home now. You're safe now. And remember, no matter what you've done, we love you. I know. I know. I know. I just wish... I wish there were others. I had friends who had never experienced the love that I have. I wish they knew that love. I wish they had people who could gather and step into those places of hurt and pain and lift them up and tell them they are loved. Maybe, Jeremy said, as Stephen and Jessica entered the room, you can help change that. What do you mean? Anita asked. Well maybe. Maybe you can share with them the love that you've experienced in your own life. Maybe you can share with them the love that you have experienced day in and day out with us. With them. Now of course this is only a story. But I think it tells us a little bit about the love that God has for us the love that God has for us but i want to ask you a question and i'd love to have some response <laughs> is what what do you think this story tells us about god and god's love for the world what does it tell us about god and god's love for the world does it tell us anything he doesn't give up. no barriers. No barriers? Mhm. And no wrong is too bad and can't be there. Mm. Yep. How, how great his mercy and grace for us. Yep. Yep. The profound love that God has for us. That and I mean, with the children's talk, it's trying to get across, and I hope that we, we uh, as we have celebrate communion later, um, we think about the profound nature of God God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are in perfect love and harmony and communion with each other, have so much love that it overflows. <coughs> overflows into the world, overflows and captures us. No, not captures us, invites us into the family of God. I remember hearing a, a saying once that the Trinity is three in one, three in one plus one, three in one plus one, plus one, plus one. The Trinity is always calling others to be part of, or to be in communion with God, to be in relationship and as we hear the story of Jesus who has, been, who has come in flesh into the world, we hear the good news, we hear the gospel, where Jesus comes into the world, comes into our context, comes into our situations, into the dark hallways of our lives. Jesus gathers us into his arms. Jesus reminds us of the worth that we have in him, that we belong to his family, all the while receiving the violent blows of all that would seek to distort, all that would seek to devalue and deprive us of relationship with God. Jesus comes into the world so that we may know God, so that we may be in relationship with God, but not just for that, so that we too will go into those places that we live, those places that we work, and love others. To tell others about the love that we have experienced in Jesus. That is what mission is to go into those places as individuals. And as the church, as the body of Christ, and tell people the good news, to show people the good news of Jesus. Those places where people are deeply struggling. I um, reflected on this, on this story, and I want to give a very, very quick example. Very, very quick example of me wrestling with this as a minister in St. John's in the city, is first of all, who, is, who are the people in our context? When I was a minister in St. John's, in the central city, who, is the, who are the people who are our neighbours? Who are the people that we are called to love? Um, and it was very hard because St. John's is a gathered community. So wherever people come from, they come from Wainui Amata, they come from the Kapiti, they are in different places. So, who are their neighbours? Who are the St John's Church neighbours? Well, it came, uh, God really revealed that our neighbours are the people across the road in uh, a housing New Zealand complex. But how do we engage with them? How do we get to know who they are? And how do we go into that place and love them? Well, first and foremost, it's about going into their place, not always expecting them to come into our place. It is going where they are. It is being in their place. It is loving them, warts and all, in their place. St. John's decided through uh, a lot of uh, uh, trial and error to go and to build relationship with the tenants by starting a cafe. One day a week, cafe where there's free food and free coffee to build relationship. And one of the things that I learned early on is that God was already there. God was already loving those people. God was already transforming them and that we were invited to go into that place where God was. And as we did that, as we listened to what God was calling us to do, I was reminded that what people are after is is a, a, a body of Christ to love them for the long term. Not to go in there and say, hey, here's some nice coffee. We'll see you maybe next year. They are looking people to invest in their lives to love them in the long term not just when they're happy but when things are difficult and they want to know that we will stick by them if we truly understand the nature of god who sticks with us warts and all and if we are the body of Christ who follows Christ, then when, when we are called into mission, we too will stick by the people that we engage with warts and all. So my question to you, to you, as we think about the profound love of God that overflows into the world, is what is the context? What is the context that God might be calling you as the people of God in this place? Now you may, you've been here, some of you have been here for a a long period of time. But don't be surprised that the context that you worship in has changed. So who are those people who might be stuck in dark hallways that God is calling you to love? And how might you be able to show them God's love? Amen. I just want to finish this time with a short prayer. Let's pray. Loving God, help us to remember that mission is yours. Help us to remember, Lord, that it is such a great privilege to be called um. to participate in what you are doing to redeem the world to bring people back to you we pray Lord that you may guide us that you may guide this congregation as they seek as they continue to be faithful to you that they will hear you Lord that they will understand their context the place that you have put them in in 2021 and guide them equip them and continue to overflow them with your Holy Spirit we pray in Jesus name Amen